is better understood by atheists like Penn Gillette than some Christians, or even for that matter, if the stats are right, than a majority of Christians. So good morning, good morning, good morning. I'm believing today is going to be awesome. I've got two great videos to play. I think I'm getting better at this to where I can play the video, pause it, interact with it, and have a good time. So I hope that you can join with me. If you're on your commute, starting your day, God bless you. This is something God put in my heart to recently start doing, tackling subjects that are important to the body of Christ. You know, like I said uh, yesterday, some of my friends just focus on Islam, others on apologetic issues with atheists. Some stay with Christian doctrine, talking about differences between Calvinism and Arminianism, etc. I like to kind of stay with the buffet approach, going through all the different subjects throughout the body of Christ and just picking those that strike my interest and that I think might be more left off to the side that my other brothers and sisters aren't touching on so much. So it's good to see you here. I hope that you enjoy this. I want to let you know that I love evangelism. I believe God put that in my heart from the moment I got saved. It's the heart of the Father. Jesus said, pray for laborers in the Father's harvest because the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. And I love preaching. Within a few months after getting saved at November in November 5th, 1995, after a few months in my hometown, I began to preach the gospel publicly. And that's how I got this voice today. 20 plus years later, my 58 Chevy vocal cords, they're still a running and a chug, chug, chugging along. And I can just tell you, all throughout these years, I have seen nothing but good come out of evangelism. I have seen my life change. I have seen others change. I have seen community uh, impact. I have done evangelism in so many different ways that I know that there are some that are better than others, but I can tell you that evangelism is important and that all positive ways, all good ways, bear some kind of fruit. And in my life, I can see that I personally do maybe one to three main approaches. One of my approaches is just walking around asking people if they have time to talk about Jesus. Another approach is from a microphone in some kind of a way to make a public proclamation and taking questions and interacting with the people. And then a third approach would kind of be like a tent crusade, or now we have with our truck, with the stage that comes out, a truck crusade. These kinds of things where you gather in people to have events, sidewalk Sunday school, doing things with the children outdoors, etc. So whether for me it's going out asking people do they want to talk about Jesus at a park or in my neighborhood, or setting up a speaker and interacting with the people, or doing some kind of a public crusade or outreach, I have seen evangelism work and be effective. There are people in our church today because of evangelism. So it's good to see Jackie, Griselda, Joselito, others of you here joining with me. What I'm going to do today is start off by playing a video that I found on YouTube by Penn Gillette. Penn Gillette is one of the two magicians in the Penn and Teller crew that go around doing magic shows and they have TV shows as well. My heart for him is pretty big because 
I uh, watched him one time on The Apprentice, really got to like him, and I found out he was an atheist. And he's a nice atheist. He's not an ornery atheist. He's a pretty nice guy. Well, a while back, I remember seeing this video that he made about a Christian that came up to him after one of his shows and gave him a Gideon Bible. This is amazing. It was a man taking the opportunity to reach out to what could seem like a superstar. This person was just a fan, watched the show, and he wanted to reach out to this, to this superstar guy. And he did it. He did it in boldness and in love. And he gave Penn Gillette a Bible. The atheist Penn Gillette received a Bible after one of his magic shows. I don't know if it was in Vegas or somewhere. I think it is, by the way, he tells the story. And so what it's really cool about this is Penn Gillette's response. I want to play this video, talk about his response, and then how I believe his response to evangelism is better than most Christians, if not most pastors. I'm going to give it a shot. I think it's going to work. If you're listening, maybe you can tell me if the audio comes through. Okay, but let's listen to Pendulette talk about his experience of being witness to after a show. I want to talk to you about this. Uh, I get home from the show, and at the end of the show, as I've mentioned before, we go out and we, uh, we talk to folks and, you know, sign an occasional autograph and shake hands and so on. And there was one guy waiting over to the side in the um, what I call the hover position after I was all done. Big guy, probably about my age. Big guy. And um, he had been the, um, the guy who has uh, picks the joke during our psychic comedian section of the show. Uh, so he had the props from that in his hand because we'd give those away. He had the the joke book and the and the envelope and the paper and stuff. If you haven't seen the live show, uh, it's not worth explaining. But he had props from the show that we'd given him from the night before. Uh, he wasn't the guy that night. And he walked over to me and he said, um, I was here last night at the show and uh, uh, I saw the show and I liked it. I wanted, and he was very complimentary about my use of language and... Um, complimentary about, you know, honesty and stuff. He said nice stuff. No reason to go into it. He said nice stuff. And then he said, I brought this for you. And he handed me a uh, Gideon pocket edition. Um, I thought it said from the New Testament, but I also thought it was Psalms from the New Testament, right? Or, uh, Psalms from the New, just part of the New Testament little book about this big, this thick, you know. He said, I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of uh, proselytizing. And then he said, I'm a businessman. I'm, I'm sane. I'm not crazy. <laughs> and he looked me right in the eye and did all of this. And... Uh, it was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist. But he was not uh, defensive, and he looked me right in the eyes. 
And he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way, it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice and sane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me and then gave me this Bible. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. Yeah, come on. And I've always thought that, and I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. This guy was a really good guy. He was polite and honest and sane, and he cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a, a Bible, which had written in it a little note to me, uh, not very personal, but just, you know, like to show and so on, and then like five phone numbers for him and an email address if I wanted to get in touch. Now, I know there's no God, and one polite person living his life right doesn't change that. Uh, but I'll tell you, he was a very, very, very good man. And uh, that's really important. And with that kind of goodness, uh, it's okay to have that deep of a disagreement. I still think that religion does a lot of bad stuff, but man, that was a good man who gave me that book. That's all I wanted to say. Wow. Wow. Did you all just hear that? This is a honest atheist. An honest atheist telling us that if you believe in a hell, if you believe that, it is your job to tell me how much do you hate me? Penn Jillette says, if you believe in a hell and you don't proselytize me. Can I get an amen from some folks listening today? This is truly an, an exciting time to be alive, to preach the gospel. Now, I know not every atheist is going to feel that way. But if they are going to be honest, like Penn Jillette is, they are going to realize that if that is what we believe, we ought to have enough courage to talk to people about it. That we shouldn't let awkwardness, as he said, stop the conversation. He said that was a good man. He had enough courage to come up to Penchalet to love his soul for the sake of the gospel to give him that Bible. And I don't know if there was more of a preaching conversation or if that was it, but my friends, what an amazing challenge to us today to hear what Penn Gillette says as an atheist to us as Christians, basically saying, evangelize me. You ought to evangelize me. Now, 
Is that what most Christians believe? No. Let's read quickly what 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5 says. It's from one of my blogs. I'll put it up here as well as all the other links, like I tend to like to do, so you can go back and do your own research. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5, Paul says, But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. We are all called to do the work of an evangelist. The calling to be an evangelist is to raise the church up to all be evangelists. So no one here should say, I don't have the calling to be an evangelist. It means I'm not called to do evangelism. Yes, I believe in the fivefold ministry gifts, that there's apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and they uniquely multiply and duplicate themselves and do work for the church. But the specific job of evangelists is to raise up a church of evangelists, all of us doing the Great Commission. And so that's what we're supposed to do. But here are the top five excuses that I hear in the church today why not to do evangelism. Number five, public being a public witness isn't effective like it was in Jesus' time. There are better ways with social media, church plays, and friendship evangelism. That we don't actually have to go out into the public and meet strangers. I'm only going to share my faith as I share my life with my friends. I'm going to let my smile be my witness. You know, that's not the gospel command. Though that's part of it, that's not it entirely. You have to include into your being friends, doing plays, and, you know, every now and then inviting somebody to church. You have to include into that, and I would even say primarily, talking to people you don't know about the gospel in public settings like at a Las Vegas play. Uh, Excuse number four, counting them down, why people do not want to do evangelism even though there are Christians. Number four, they say, I don't need to be a public witness as long as I just witness somewhere. And so every now and then they say, as long as I just share my faith, maybe testify in church, I don't have to talk to big scary uh, pin Gillette. I don't have to go out of my way to do that or to stand out here and meet people at the park. I, as long as I just, you know, as long as I just share my, my testimony at the barbecue, you know, I did it. I'm, I'm, I'm relieved of go ye into all the world, as the Bible says and preach, right? Uh, Number three, I know good churches and pastors that don't street with this, so I don't have to either. You know, I, I don't have to go out into the public and actually do what Jesus did, because I know churches that don't do it. My pastor wouldn't feel comfortable talking to Penn Gillette and giving him a Bible like that, or standing in a park and sharing the faith, so so that must mean it's okay. And by the way, I have all the scriptures here answering those things. Uh, that was number three. Number two, I'm too scared to talk to people I don't know. I want to wait until I'm ready. And so this idea of being a public witness is kind of like this spiritual um, maturity level you have to reach to to finally do it. My friends, you should be willing to go out at any time. And then the, the last excuse is people say, it's not my calling. Now, I want you to think about the statistics today and how many of these people are falling for these arguments, these excuses, because statistically, since 2012, this is what's going on in the church as it relates to evangelism. 95% of all Christians have never won somebody to the Lord. 
Now, you may not win everybody to the Lord. It may be rare, but you can't win any to anybody to the Lord unless you're preaching about the Lord to people. So you got to be consistent in going out and sharing your faith. 80% of Christians never even share their faith. So that's no wonder that they're not winning people to the Lord because they're not sharing it. Only 2% of all Christians are active in evangelism ministries at their church. Such a small, small percentage. And then thick 63% of leaders, including deacons, elders, have not led one stranger to Jesus in the last two years through the method of go ye into all the world. Let's give another couple of stats here. 49% of church leaders spend zero time on average ministering outside of the church. Can you imagine Jesus not doing this, uh, do, uh, you know, doing ministry like this, not ministering to people? And 89% of church leaders have zero time reserved in their weekly schedule to evangelize, though 99% of church leaders believe that you should obey these commands. Now, what I would like to do here is I would like to now play for you a video fresh off the press from yesterday evangelizing me discussing the faith with a defense attorney here in Chicago on uh, the subject, can a non-believer, a atheist, get, uh, ground their morality without God? Now, let me just explain this to you. While we're out there, you can watch the video in its entirety. When we're out there live, we have a live feed. I always try to get people to stop, throw out the bait to have these discussions. The discussions will bring in more people, and so we enjoy that. Uh, now, when I'm out there, we try to get people from all different backgrounds. Well, we'll talk about if you're a Christian and you disagree with abortion or homosexuality, we want to talk to you. Or we'll say something like, if you're an atheist, come and talk to us, or a Muslim, whatever. It just seems like a lot of my discussions have been with those who have been more in like the atheistic camp. So this gentleman had heard us talking about morality, and I said, does anybody have a moral code outside of the Bible? Can you come up with a moral code that is objective, that we all should obey, that we all should follow between right and wrong, good and evil? Give it a shot. And this is a part of that conversation. And I want you to notice some of the key things he says. So I'll be interjecting along the way. And if you're listening to me, could you please let me know if it still sounds good. Thank you for joining with me. We're talking about Penn Jillette knows more about evangelism than most Christians. We are right now having a healthy debate without shooting each other, without killing each other, without bombing each other, yep. but believing that through tolerance and through and through testing and probing and asking questions and debating that we can come to conclusions that are based on building the most inclusive, most peaceful kind of society. I got it. Okay, so let's share here. If everything you said... Now listen to this. Did you hear what he just said? We're having a debate peacefully. This man right here actually appreciated it. Now, just a few moments before that, it got so heated because he came with a lot of adrenaline. I think he wouldn't let me talk after a while. I actually had to turn down his mic and say, listen, you've got to let me answer. And then your question, uh, excuse me, you've got to answer my question before you keep asking me other questions. And then we'll go on from there. And I turned him down and then I turned him up and he just kept going, you know, and enjoying the conversation. It was almost like before... Uh, he said that during that tense moment that, that people would be like, oh, man, this is out of control. Christians shouldn't be arguing with people on the streets. No, my friend, that's where we should be having our discussions. Let's keep going now as he makes this, as, as I begin to uh, make a point and he makes it. That is true. 
then it would not just be true for you, it would have to be true for me. It's true for you and me. Okay, then that is your objective standard. Now I want to compare it to my objective standard. Not, but you're calling, you're, you're, you it, I, it, have a, I have a problem with the way you're defining Yeah, but if it's standard. only true for you, then it's subjective. Meaning, hold on, let me exactly. finish. Exactly, it's subjective for everyone. Well, hold on, it's, well, it's not subjective and objective at the same time. That's why I asked you. you. I'm not saying it's objective, you're saying it's objective. No. Now remember, He's contradicting himself. He had just said it's true for me and for him. That's objective, not subjective. Subjective would be it's only true for the individual. But if you notice, we're both kind of interrupting each other. It's a good back and forth. Let's keep going. Well, that's, no, listen. I'm saying I, it's subjective. You're saying it's objective. Hold, hold on. If, you, if, if it's subjective. You follow it. Okay. That's why you're allowed to stand yeah, here. See, so you're confusing two different things. I'm not talking about forcing our morality on others. That's where I think you were going with homosexuality and my beliefs in that. We believe in a God of free will. He doesn't force his morality on us. But I'm asking you a question. You have pointed out my moral code and you don't like it. I'm trying to show you the hypocrisy of that. You're, hold on, let me finish. I didn't, say I didn't like it. Well, hold, well, you didn't. You you, you acted like say, it. Well, then let me take like it back. It. Well, you're arguing. With, are you like are you arguing with it? I'm debating with you. Well, that, you know, let's say, say it this like way. You. Do you agree with it? I can still love you and debate. No. You. Hold on, hold on. Now, this, listen to this. Listen to the wisdom of this man. I could also turn this. A defense attorney, an atheist defense attorney, is wiser than most Christians. He even says, I can debate with you and still love you. He's playing a game with words right there, obviously. I'm just trying to say, like, what brought you to our mic was that you disagreed with what I'm saying. I'm trying to ask you, what are you saying makes what I'm saying wrong? And then if you're saying you don't have a standard, then you don't have a reason to say I'm wrong. That's all the point I'm trying to make, right? And so in the middle of this, he actually makes an amazing point that we can still love each other and disagree. Keep going. Listen to the question. Do you agree with the Bible's moral codes on right and wrong? I, Amen. God bless you. I don't. I don't. I disagree with your interpretation of God's moral code. Well, then show us in the the Bible how we're misinterpreting it. Good to see everybody. We actually do this for fun because <laughs> we love Jesus. Now notice this. I got Christians amening in the background. A gentleman is about ready to start recording here in just a second to get you know his you know his viewers to watch this. This is exciting. Why in the world would we as Christians? think having public discussion and debate is somehow icky, like we're going to fall into this trap. I don't talk about, uh, you know, religion and politics in public. Look at how amazing this is. We love discussing things. Whoever wants to wait in line can do so. And this shows you that Christians actually listen, but we have to have a good dialogue here. So here's, here's the point. Let me summarize it for everybody. If you're a Chevrolet man and I'm a Ford man, is there an objective standard in automobiles to find out which one is better, right? There's not really, right? There's not really. What I'm asking you is what's the difference between Mother Teresa and Hitler? Give me a standard. My Bible says Hitler bad, Mother Teresa good. That's an objective standard I can apply to everybody. I started this conversation with you, which I've been enjoying, and I've been saying, what are your standards? to say whether or not this person is right or wrong. And if I heard from you correctly, it was just simply treating other people nice. And then I said to you, but why then should they? So if a person doesn't believe in a God, there's no punishment for whether they, they followed those rules, then the might makes right. Somebody can take over a nation and go, I can do whatever I want. Now let me just say this. Notice, I'm just, you know, I'm preaching now at him, right? I'm giving him all this information. Notice how he will respond 
when I get done talking. Hear the words out of the defense, the atheistic defense attorney's life. Listen to the words that he says after I finish my little spiel here. I'll never be judged for it. Blow my brains out after I rape the person. I just turned to dust. That's my point. And that's why I keep pushing it back to you going, the piece of paper in your hand says, we don't just float these ideas out in the middle of nowhere called morality and logic. They have to be grounded on something. What is the first premise of morality? Right, know God, know yourself, treat each other equally. What's the first premise of logic? In the beginning was logic. It was with God and God sent it to the world. Where is the universe and all yeah, of its uh, uh, uniformity come from? From God. That's what I'm asking. Go ahead. Right. So... So thank you for that. I appreciate that. Yep, no problem. Oh, did you hear that? Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Come on, somebody. Does that not get you excited? This is the gospel in action. This is what it looks like. How dare naive Christians who know nothing about evangelism, how dare the 80 or 90% of you who don't do it come and criticize us? Did you not just hear the man say, I appreciate that? He said, I appreciate what you said to me. Go back and watch the video. It's on my page. After I just said my whole spiel, he goes, Thank you. I got it. I appreciate that. He actually appreciated. I'm not saying everybody is, and we're not doing it for their appreciation. We're doing it for an audience of one. But how dare lukewarm Christians try to guard us and say, no, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't do that out here. Don't do that here because you're going to turn off people. Dude, this is a working professional, highly educated man stopping to come to our microphone, having a conversation. This loud Italian stallion has just given him like, you know, two minutes of information on why I don't believe in his worldview and I believe the gospel and all of that. And the thing that comes out of his mouth is, thank you. I appreciate that. And he continues on. I think that what I, what I take issue with is you jumping to this idea that something that you can you can't see but that you feel that you feel so strongly about that it exists and you really don't know that for all you know god could be your imaginary friend now that's what i just talked to you about how could the universe could exist without god that? how could you know that i showed you you couldn't have something come from nothing let me ask you, show me one thing in science laboratories where from nothing, something comes. Plato said from nothing, nothing comes. If we don't know what nothing is, it's what rocks think about. But can you, can you recognize that, that you actually don't know what is this? This is something okay. you feel. Remember, I'm making truth claims that are backed up by science and all of our experience. You're the one saying, I don't know, and then you argue with someone who does know. That kind of sounds contradictory, doesn't it? Oh, wow. Praise God. I mean... You got to watch the rest of the video if you want to hear how the conversation went. What have we learned today? What we've learned today is that nominal, lukewarm, sensitive, um, awkward people, they're uh, Christians, they're the issue, not the gospel and not the people we're trying to reach. Penn Jillette, as an atheist, is actually saying, 
Please proselytize me, because if you actually believe in a real hell, you ought to love me enough to tell me about it so I don't go there. Here you just listen to an atheist defense attorney listening to me preach. We had just had a heated moment where I had to kind of turn him down for a minute, and he literally says, thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate, thank you, you know, thank you for telling me that. It was done correctly, and God used it. Now, I know we will be persecuted. Jesus was crucified. The disciples were persecuted. It doesn't always go like that. And that's another message or another show we could do in how to handle persecution when people don't like what we have to say. Totally get that. But I just wanted to show the naysayers this, or those who are the sensitive Sallies, no offense if you're a bold Sally, uh, that this is no excuse to use against going out and preaching the gospel. These things we're hearing, you know, it's not my calling, you know, I don't see my pastor do it. We should all be encouraged by the gospel to go out and do it, and then hear the testimonies of those who have actually done it, and, and how it has changed people's lives. People's lives have been changed. And people in our church are a part of the church because of testimonies of people witnessing to them, evangelizing. Even Jared, the brother that I was with when I was out there, uh, he testified that he came to know the Lord through the preaching of the gospel, that people can get saved by this. It's obvious, my friends. It works. Go out and preach the gospel. Amen. Any questions that you have before I roll out? I know many of you are starting your work day today. I hope that you're having a blessed morning. Any questions about this? Good to see Jack A here, Erica. Isn't God good and isn't he faithful? And let's keep preaching and praying and plugging away, as the old timers used to say, preach, pray, pray, and plug away. What's up, Walter, Lydia? Okay, I don't really see any questions. Didn't want to keep you very long. I'm going to sign off now. Let's keep preaching so that the uh, souls can be saved and disciples made. God bless you and have a wonderful day.